From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Chris Beal from Connect and Sell. Chris, it's really nice to have you on. Brad, it is fantastic to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited for our discussion today. So, Chris, can you tell me a bit about yourself, who you are, as well as your company, what Connect and Sell is? Sure. I'm an old desert rat who grew up in the world of books and animals, went into math and physics. Uh, and finally, like Willie Sutton said, you rob banks because that's where the money is. So I ended up in the software industry doing startups for the last, uh, I don't know, 38 years or something like that. Well, Connect Cell is, uh, I've been at Connect and Cell for almost 12 years been running it for almost 10. And what we do is pretty simple. It's really hard in business to get the conversations you need with people you want to talk to. We let a B2B sales rep push a button, talk to somebody on their list in about three or four minutes with no effort, and they can do something else while they're waiting for that conversation. That's really cool. I love it. So let's talk about growing your company. So obviously you guys have a tool that helps companies grow. How have you grown your company? Let's, how does it all work and what, what's the strategy, tactics, all that stuff. It's interesting. We have a product that has a high get it factor that's required in order for somebody to use it. When you think about, uh, hey, we're going to have conversations, immediately there's a supply chain issue. That is, I have to have a supply of reps who want to have conversations and are competent at it. I have to have a supply of a message that's going to actually resonate with people. I have to have uh, some list, some target list that's going to make sense. And it becomes interesting because usually folks don't know when they suck in all three of those regards until they're having 30 or 40 or 50 conversations a day. So for us, we have a high get it factor that's required. And so interestingly enough, we prospect for that. So we don't prospect for verticals. We don't prospect so much for company size a little bit. We look for titles and we call them and talk to them. So the way we grew Connect and Sell is how we continue to grow, which is we talk to 100,000 VPs of sales a year, wow. and we find out if they're interested in bringing the human voice into the top of their funnel. That's really cool. So my understanding is that you're a cold calling expert. How do you go about doing that the right way? What's your formula? So the formula for cold calling is first to recognize the purpose of a cold call. So the best purpose is to get somebody to trust you a little bit, because ultimately, if they're going to buy from you, they got to trust you a lot. In fact, according to Anthony Annarino's Elite Sales Strategies book, he opens the introduction with a quote where he says, people trust, no, people buy from people they trust to make a decision they don't trust themselves to make. And that's a high bar. So how are you going to get there? A little bit of trust. Human voice is great for doing that if you're skilled. So the first part of the call is to generate trust in seven seconds. Uh, the reason for the seven seconds is the FBI worked with uh, Harvard Business School and others on this question of how long do we have to get trust in a first conversation. Turns out the answer is seven seconds. Chris Voss kindly informed me of that rather directly one evening. I asked him, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? I go, seven seconds. I said, really, our research says eight seconds. He says, your research is wrong. It's seven seconds. So that's the, the number one thing you need to understand about a cold call is you're ambushing somebody and putting them into a state of fear. They're afraid of you because you're an invisible stranger, which is the worst thing in the world. 
Invisible strangers, invisible means it's nighttime. Strangers means they're not from your village. They're not bringing you a Bud Light. On the environment of evolution, bad things happened when invisible strangers showed up. So you are one. When you cold call somebody, they can't see you. You're invisible. You're certainly a stranger and you're ambushing them. So the real key to a cold call is not your own feelings. It's how do you take the other party on an emotional journey from fear to trust and then from trust somewhere. And you need to take them to curiosity because if you take them to value, they're going to say we're all set because it's insulting. When you tell a competent professional or somebody who thinks they're a competent professional, you were waiting for a sales rep to call and tell you how to do your job. It's insulting. So you have to avoid value and you have to go to curiosity and there's ways of doing that. And then from curiosity, you need to get to commitment to take a meeting. But remember, the goal was trust. The goal wasn't the meeting. Yeah, I love that. So your goal is trust. And then the commitment's a meeting and you're not selling on the call. You're just trying to provoke enough curiosity to, to get a meeting going. Exactly. And there's words you can use to do these things. If you, in, They're hard to learn. It's actually, it's one of these things that you can learn to use this five sentence script that we teach. And we're not in the teaching business, by the way, but we're obliged to teach people how to cold call. We make 50 million dials a year. We connect about 4 million conversations. Well, if people suck, then we're just amplifying suck. And that's not so great. So we finally went, oh, I guess we're going to teach this stuff. And what we teach is based, it's based on the concept that you don't want to teach things that can't be learned. Mm -hmm. So folks have got a lot of techniques for everything, most of which can't be learned. They're just easy to talk about. So, oh, watch me swing a golf club. Now you go do it. It's, ah, it doesn't work like that. It's a little more step-by-step. Step. So we teach it step-by-step. Step. For instance, if I were cold calling you and you answer the phone and we have to pretend we don't see each other. So you say something like, this is Brad. And I say, hey, hey Brad, Chris Beal here. Hey, I know I'm an interruption. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And you're just going to go, yeah, sure. Because I'm letting you off the hook with your self-image intact. You listen to me for 27 seconds, the deal's over, we're done. So you're like, sure. And it's, this is weird, I wonder what's gonna happen. And then I'd say to get curiosity. Now I've got a little tiny bit of trust, by the way. I showed you, I see the world through your eyes, tactical empathy, I threw myself under the bus. I know I'm an interruption, not, oh, can I talk to you? This is not a permission-based opener, people think it is, it's not. It's a way of establishing that you see the world the same way as the person you're ambushing and that you're competent to solve a problem they have right now, which happens to be you. Okay, I'll solve the problem that is me. I get a little bit of trust. And then I've got to go for curiosity. So I'm going to say something like this. Thanks, Brad. Hey, Brad, I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that completely eliminates the, the waste and the frustration of having your most valuable resources, your sellers and their voices, simply not in contact with enough people to make your number. And the reason I reached out to you today is to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share this breakthrough with you. Do you happen to have your calendar available? Now, that's it. That's it, I'm done at that point. Other than hmm. that's do you or do you not? I don't know, it's a question of fact, most people do. You might say, what's this about? And I'd say, it's, it's just about a breakthrough that enables folks who are working for you. I don't know. Do you have a sales team? But yeah, I got some. Okay. So it's probably be interesting to find out what it's like if they talk to a whole bunch more people. 
people are targeting the people they want to talk to. That's what this is about. Oh, so what's the meeting about? The meeting's about how to make that happen. And really it's just an exploration of whether this makes any sense at all in your business. It may not. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You can do you can do this with anything, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Keep it simple. Don't go in for the kill and try to sell right on the call initially and all that. I love that. Yeah. One step at a time. This is human relationships. People don't like to move too fast. There's actually a phrase for this in the world of, I don't know, dating and stuff. I don't know. He was moving too fast. Okay. A lot of guys are involved in selling. A lot of guys like to move too fast. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. We've, when we got everything going with our company and we started to have a wait list, it actually, I don't know, got people more interested in, oh, I have to wait. And that's very interesting versus like early on, we're super hungry. We're trying to get it going really fast. Everyone's like pushing you back a little more. Yeah. So, people want what they can't have. Yeah. Very interesting human nature. So any common mistakes teams out there making when it comes to rolling out the program and calling people and doing this with their teams and all that stuff yeah num number one is going too fast um looking for results before they actually have a technique that could get the results Let's, i'll go back to the golf analogy is hey why aren't i breaking 90 because you don't know how to play golf yet but your swing sucks uh so or whatever it happens to be so there's impatience in sales, there's a lot of, what are we doing this quarter? What are we doing this quarter? So calmly uh, going step-by-step step and saying, okay, first we got to have a list. These are fast steps, by the way, if you accept help, you can make a list for anybody in a couple hours. That'll be better than what they have because lists don't have to be that perfect when you're talking to people. Then there's over-interpretation of what goes on in the calls. Like, oh my God, we aren't getting X, Y, or Z. The reason we're talking to folks is to get good at talking to folks. It may take a little while. We might have to tune up what we're doing. And then there's also a lack of appreciation that can show up for everything that happens when you don't set a meeting. So I call it like over-indexing on the meetings. You're lucky if you can set 5% of your conversations as meetings. If you can set 10, you're good, really good. And if you're setting 15% of your conversations as meetings, you're in the top one-tenth of 1%. One so what happens to all those other conversations? Guess what? They go to your website. They answer emails. They do things with you now they wouldn't have done before you spoke with them. So not following up the conversation with digital is crazy. I talked to you. I should send you an email that says, thank you for our conversation today, no matter how it went. And reps get emotional about this. It's a lot of the guy blew me off. I ain't going to send him a nice email. It's like, no, that's when you should send him the nice email. Absolutely. Yeah, I, did, I think volume is a good uh, thing to mention too. Like some, like, I imagine you make 100 calls. What's the average pickup rate? Four to eight of them or something like like that? You, have to, you probably know exactly what. I, I, do know, I do know pretty much. It's about, it depends on a lot of factors, but it's about 20 to 1. Uh, when you're cold calling for, or you're going after professionals of some kind, directors and above kind of people. Yeah. So you're going to make 20 calls for each one you get. Now with Connect and Sell, you're going to run at somewhere between 100 and 180 dials per hour that are being okay. done for you. So you're not doing anything. You just push a button and you pet your cat and you sip your coffee and you send emails yeah. and you dream your thoughts, right? And then bloop, you're talking to somebody 
and it pops up on the screen, shows you who they are, what you're talking with them about, and you get good at it. At first, it's so scary, by the way. My, my wife tried it, and she's a big sales expert. She's written a very little book on sales management called Love Your Team, a survival guide for sales managers in a hybrid world. She's chief revenue officer over at Mediafly, blah, blah, blah. Back when she was at Microsoft last year, she decided to try it. She said, best weight loss program in the world. Don't have to go to the gym. My heart rate was at 160 just to push that button. But then she said, you know what? Having the undivided attention of another human being who might mean something to my business and vice versa and doing that effortlessly, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know what the impact could be. So that's it, the flip side. So it's scary as all get out. It is, it's like riding an electric motorcycle. Bad enough to have all that acceleration, but you're actually out on the motorcycle. Right? Yeah, absolutely. When they agree to the meeting, how do you know if it's genuine or not? Or if they're just saying yes, then later, boy, off. Yeah, you'll find out if they show up or not. And if they don't show up, you put them on your follow-up list for missed meetings. You have the easiest conversation in business, which is, hey, I see we had something scheduled for today at nine. Something important must have come up for you. When would be a better time to talk? That would be like the easiest script in the history of scripts. We have a whole podcast episode on my podcast, the Market Dominance Guys podcast, in which Cheryl Turner, who may be the greatest cold caller on earth, she professes to love no-shows. That's the title of the podcast episode is I Heart No-Shows. Because a no-show is somebody who just put themselves in your debt. I love that. Yeah, at least in my experience, it seems like whenever someone is too agreeable, it's, oh, yes, I'll do that or whatever. Like They're almost like a, a prospect that's too excited. Those, at least for us, tend to not be as good as the ones that ask a lot of questions and push back and might not be totally sold to start. Those tend to be the better prospects, it seems. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that, well, for one thing, organizational power tends to concentrate in people who are thoughtful, who are um, not pushovers, who, who they guard their calendar. You want to get to power, you're going to find out who has it by how they respond to you. If they respond in a powerful way, then they probably have organizational power. If they respond in a pushover way, they probably don't have any organizational power. Yeah, you want the folks who have some juice back home for sure. And it doesn't matter if it's a one-person shop or a Fortune 500 company. But I think it's, it's actually, but it's, I don't like making too many assumptions either. People shock me every day. Every day, there's something that you go, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. That was Mr. Nice Guy, but everybody listens to him. Okay. Absolutely. So what's one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? I'm thinking back to when I first became a CEO. That was a long time ago, so it's probably lost in the mists of memory. But one thing that I wish I had known is it really is what I call the Lonely Minds Club. And you're oddly enough, you have a heart, but you're not really allowed to use it in your decision process. So here you are calculating your way toward a future. And that means you need to get advice from people who are also in the Lonely Minds Club. So hooking up with other CEOs, it's, a, it's really funny. It took me a long time to realize they know more about my situation than I do because they've lived it, but now they're objectively looking at what I do. I'm a member of a thing in the Bay Area where I don't even live anymore. 
called the Alliance of CEOs. And we get together virtually or, you know, back in the day in person and step into each other's shoes and be the other person with their problems. I wish I'd done that way, way earlier because I thought, oh, it's just a matter of knowing the business, thinking your way through it. It's mostly a matter of having somebody else point out your blind spot, the one that you're about to walk off a cliff because of right before you walk off that cliff. I love that. Yeah, there's so many challenges in business and uh, it's good to have someone to spar with on things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in the great good fortune situation now of being married to a CRO, very similar position. And uh, people laugh at us. Do you guys talk shop at home? We talk shop in the hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What's what's any closing advice you have? What's your top closing remarks, any advice, takeaways for those out there listening today? My, my number one closing advice is whatever everybody's saying is probably wrong. So try stuff, honestly, try real experiments, be a scientist in your business and learn how to be open-minded. You'd be quite surprised at what you learn. So if everybody is saying do X, it's okay to think about that, but do the experiment where you do the opposite of X and see what happens. And you're going to get a lot of pushback from inside because everybody loves to go with the flow. You look smart when you do what everybody else is doing, but it's never smart to do what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. I love that. On that note, Chris, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for joining the podcast here today. Hey, Brad. It's a pleasure. Absolutely.